Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. At last, it is Christmas Eve. The earth falls silent, for the time has come. For weeks now, we've been pacing back and forth in the waiting room of Advent in anticipation of a delivery. Other gifts have been bought or arrived in the mail. They sit wrapped, waiting to be opened later today or tomorrow morning. But one gift has yet to arrive. This gift cannot be found online or purchased at the mall. This gift cannot be bound with paper and string. This gift cannot be hung in a stocking by a fire or placed neatly under a tree. This is a gift that is a long time in coming, promised to us centuries before by prophets and sages of old. It is a gift that arrives not by notification via email or text, though it does come by messenger, by word of mouth thanks to the proclamation of a heavenly host of angels. It is a gift heralded by a celestial spectacle rivaling any past, present, or future Christmas light show, and yet it is a gift whose announcement did not at first go viral, not much outside the little town of Bethlehem, because it was delivered to such a small audience, shepherds watching their flocks by night. Still, as the saying goes, good news travels fast, for it won't be long before talk of this gift will make it across the globe as a brilliant shining beacon of its coming, alighting the night sky will guide some astrologers from the east to come and see for themselves what had been delivered. And so they will journey, bringing gifts of their own in celebration. Through the years since its first delivery, we're still talking about the giving of this gift, for this gift has influenced the rise and fall of nations. This gift has altered our perspective of time as we speak of the years before and after its coming. This gift is why there is even such a thing as Christmas at all. But what exactly is this gift we have been given? Let us, like the daring magi, follow the star and draw near to find out. Let us, like the curious shepherds, go and see for ourselves. And as we do, we will stumble across this gift in the most unexpected of places. It will not be found amidst all the lights and tinsel of our decorations. It will not be discovered in the shiny, sanitized nativity scenes that adorn our fireplaces, curios, coffee tables, front lawns, or even churches. This gift is hidden in the last place we look for it, in the muck and the stench of a cold, dark stable, in the squalor of poverty wrapped only in a blanket and laid in the straw that animals feed upon, in the scandal of an unwed mother carrying a child that does not belong to her future husband. This gift is delivered unto us through the inexperience and yet courageous faithfulness of a teenage girl who brings life into this world without so much as an emergency room, a midwife, or even an epidural. As we gaze upon this gift, the gift of Christmas, upon what do our wandering eyes appear? This gift, the greatest gift the world has ever known, is a baby. A baby named Jesus. Now, most everyone loves babies. I mean, they're cute, they're cuddly, right? But what's so special about this baby? What child is this? Why is this gift, the gift of this life, any different, any more special or significant than the birth of any other life? By way of an answer, among those who recognize and believe in this child, a name has been given for this particular, this special gift, and it's this, the Incarnation. 
Incarnation, now that's a big fancy word we rarely use in our everyday language. It derives from two Latin words, in and carne, meaning quite literally infleshing. So to break this down further, to incarnate means to give flesh to something, to give form and substance to an insubstantial quality. For example, an extraordinarily empathetic person might be called the very incarnation of compassion. Their sensitivity, their generosity, and their kindness give substance to the quality of compassion. Such a person embodies what compassion looks like in the flesh, in practice. With this understanding, what then is this child the incarnation of? Let's brace ourselves. For as astonishing as it is to believe, as hard as it may be to wrap our heads around, this child is the incarnation of divinity. Not just any incarnation, but the incarnation. Not merely divinity in a generic sense, but divinity in a very particular, absolute, and personal way. The gift of this child is the gift of God. Not the gift from God, but the gift of God, God with us. It is the gift of our Creator who formed the universe and all that it contains, angels without number, stars without limits, galaxies uncountable, coming down to earth as close as our own skin, being confined to the flesh and blood of our bodies. It is the gift of God in whose image we are created, embodying His pure and perfect character, His wisdom, His righteousness, His truth, grace, and love in the countenance of our humanity. It is the gift of God who is light, the light of the world, the light of life, the light from which all creation has been made, all that was, all that is, and all that ever will be, being narrowed into the focus of the radiant face of an infant child. The gift of Christmas is the gift of the incarnation, and it's not something that any of us ever have or ever will completely comprehend. It is a gift of miracle and mystery that confounds our logic, even as it defies our expectations. Now, as we scratch our heads in amazement, as we ponder in our heart how this can be, it is an impressive gift indeed. We cannot argue that. But not to be rude and in the interest of those who do not observe or celebrate Christmas, who asked for this gift anyway? And who needs it? Why is this the gift of Christmas, God become human? Why is this gift that may not be on everyone's list still the one and only gift we all need? because humanity has a big problem. It's hard for us to deny this after a year like 2020, a global pandemic worsened by a divided rather than unified response to the crisis, a widening economic gap between those who can afford to live and those who are being left to die, national civil unrest and violence erupting both from protests against racism and injustice and denials that either of these things exist a contested election still rife with accusations of fraudulence and continuing to be marked by a less than peaceful transition of power. Does anyone on this earth actually believe this is the way life is supposed to be? Can't we at least all agree that something's not right, that something is inherently wrong with our world? For those of us who think that this is just about 2020, who are convinced that the turn of the clock at midnight on December 31st is going to radically change everything? Do not all the prior chapters of human history, not just 2020, suggest otherwise? I mean, to be sure, we can speak of the progress of humanity, of advancements in human thought, calculation, invention, and enterprise. But in terms of human behaviors and human actions, the more we seemingly progress, 
the more we're still the same as a species. The more we prove ourselves to be depressingly consistent in falling victim to personal and systemic selfishness, in letting the insecurity of our fears become our justification for inequity. True, lasting, beneficial change continually eludes us because we are our own worst enemy, always getting in our own way instead of becoming and experiencing the fullness of life for which we were made the best within ourselves, the best we were created to be together. Now, there's a name for our fatal flaw, that one that constantly eclipses our very best intentions, that repeatedly corrupts our finest, our noblest collective aspirations so that we do not understand what we are doing, so that we end up not doing what we ought to do, even as we continue doing what we know we shouldn't do. There's a name for this fatal flaw. It's not a popular word. It's a hotly debated term, but here it is. Sin. That's our problem. Whenever we rebel against our Maker, whenever we go our own way rather than follow the way of our Creator, whenever we reject God's rule for our own self-rule, that's sin. And our sin has consequences, ones that reach far beyond us. Sin, life apart from God, shatters the order, the balance, the beauty, and the joy with which all things were created. Sin, life apart from God, fractures the unity, the peace, and the harmony we were meant to have together. Sin, life apart from God, is no life at all and therefore results in our death. Death that bears its sting through sickness, suffering, divorce, loss, disaster, and finally, ultimately, the expiration of our bodies. Sin is why we die rather than truly live. Sin is why this world in which we live is broken. Sin is why, despite being created with great potential for goodness, for fruitfulness, all creation is continually sabotaged by evil and always overshadowed by ruin. Now, here's the rub. The problem of sin is our problem meaning it's a problem of our own making. Humanity isn't just part of the problem. Humanity is the problem. And in a broken world filled with broken people, the solution to our problem cannot come from within ourselves. And it's a big enough problem that we need more than just a little divine intervention. We need the gift of the incarnation of God coming down to be with us and for us. Different people If they believe there is a God, think of God in different ways. There are some who view God as some remote force out there, a higher power who initiated and designed all that's around us, but now remains aloof and disinterested. Beyond fading fingerprints all over his creation, the earmarks of divine handiwork, this heavenly architect has left us to our own devices, some believe. But the real story of Christmas shatters all such misperceptions. The gift of the Incarnation proves God is not a distant, remote, absentee landlord. God is not just some ethereal idea that dwells in abstraction, some higher power beyond our grasp for whom we must search and find. The gift of the Incarnation is the God who steps out of eternity into time in order to be found and grasped, in order to be fully known by us. And then there are those who perceive God as an exacting divine judge, arbitrating all life from a posture of frustration and anger. They've been sold and they've bought the image of a moral lawgiver, a God whom we must appease by being nice instead of naughty. Under the watchful eye of this God, who always knows if we've been naughty or nice, 
who's always keeping a list of all our pros and cons and checking it twice. We can either earn or merit the blessings we ask for, whatever presence our hearts desire, including ultimately life after death. Or if we're not careful, if we're not nice enough, we'll keep end up getting lumps of coal, not blessings, but curses, until one day all that coal becomes the basis of our final resting place, someplace rather warm and uncomfortable forever. But again, the gift of the Incarnation offers us a much different Christmas story, a better reason for the season. In the birth of Jesus, we encounter the God who comes down, not a chimney, just for a moment in the night to give us everything we want, only then to magically disappear. No, in the birth of Christ, we encounter the God who empties himself of all glory and comes down in order to embrace the vulnerability of our lives, in order to give us not what we think we want, but what he knows we need. This God, who in Jesus becomes what he has created, comes to us not because he's interested in either our being nice or receiving niceties from us. No, our creator is all about goodness, the realization of all that is right and perfect, because our creator is good, absolute perfection and total goodness. And as our creator, while our God does give us laws to live by, laws that reveal a standard of perfection and righteousness that we cannot achieve or attain on our own, our Creator does not give us these laws in order to set us up to fail, but to make it clear the kind of life He intended for us all, the good, right, true, and beautiful life for which we all long, the kind of life we can experience together in communion with Him. And so this God comes down in Jesus Christ to embody the realization of all these laws perfectly lived out. God comes down in Jesus Christ to flesh out his divine vision and our earthly hope for a better life, a full, abundant, and everlasting life. The possibility of a promise becomes the actualization of hope through the gift of the incarnation as God descends into the reality of our lives. For in the birth of Christ, God humbly submits himself to our difficulties, our temptations, our storms, our hungers, our burdens, our pain, even our mortality. For the gift of Christmas, the gift of the incarnation, does not stop at the manger. What we celebrate today is only the beginning of the story, a story called the gospel. Just how far God has come for us shall be eclipsed by just how far God will go to be with us. The gospel, the good news that Christmas brings, starts with our Creator adopting the weakness and helplessness of our birth, the blood, sweat, and tears of human existence. But the crescendo of Christmas culminates with this same God walking through the darkest valley of our suffering and injustice, embracing our terminal affliction, the inevitable shadow of our death, all in the name of unconditional cruciform love. The child who was born in the manger is the one who lives to die on a cross. For every stain, every curse, every lie, every hurt, every failure that our humanity bears, God in Christ will sacrificially take upon himself, absorbing all our injustice and violence. What is the value of a human life? How much are our lives worth to God? Enough for God in Christ to willingly pay the price, the price of our redemption, the wages, the net result of our sin, which is death in order to set us free to live life forever with him. But the child who is born is also the one whom death cannot hold. Jesus, the firstborn of the womb of Mary, shall become the firstborn among the dead as he walks out of the tomb of the grave. 
incarnation shall give way to resurrection. The sacred nativity of Christmas anticipates the new birth of all humanity at Easter. There are many gifts wanted at Christmas. There are many gifts given at Christmas. But there is only one gift we need. There is only one gift which makes Christmas possible. Many of us this year in particular will not be able to come home for Christmas. For far too many around the world, because of lockdowns and travel bans, they'll struggle to experience some holiday goodwill and cheer, perceiving themselves to be alone. And yet, the true gift of Christmas declares we are never alone. The gift of the incarnation is the gift of the God, the God who comes to where we are in order to bring us home, all of us together home for Christmas with him. God comes for us even if we don't think his coming makes any sense. God comes to us even if we're too busy, even if we think we aren't ready. God in Christ stands at the door of our hearts and knocks, asking only that we make room. Room for him to reveal to us who he is. Room to show us who we are and who we can be. And room for him to lead us, to grow us into the kind of life together we always dreamed was possible, but never dared hope might come true. My friends, listen to the angels. Follow the shepherds. Look to the star. Come and receive the gift you've been waiting all your life for. Come and behold him, the gift of Christmas, the gift of the incarnation. Come unwrap the only gift that money cannot buy and good behavior cannot earn. The gift that comes with an incredible exchange policy, your life for his Come and be upheld in all your pain and sorrow, in all your longing and your doubt. Receive the love of an open embrace of a child that shall become the outstretched arms of a savior, the very hand of God reaching out patiently, tenderly, eternally, bearing the marks of his wounds and ours. Come and discover the gift of God in Jesus Christ, the gift that keeps on giving giving us all the love, all the grace, all the mercy, all the forgiveness, all the hope we need, no matter how forgetful or inconsistent we are, no matter how far away we go or how prodigal a son or daughter we might be. Oh, come, let us adore him, for he is Christ the Lord. May God bless each of you and those you love this Christmas Eve, and may the glory of heaven that fills our souls today be the presence of God made flesh in us. Merry Christmas. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.